0: everyone and welcome in to another episode of That's What Bee Said. Special post-game episode, Game 1 against the Chiefs recap coming at you guys on a Tuesday morning. I'm your host Bree at Breezy Clee and tonight I'm joined by Miss Meredith at Mcan Sports. Hello Meredith.
1: Hello Bree.
0: Well, not the episode we really wanted to open up with as our first post-game podcast. However, We are here, as we always are. We are ready to talk about it. Uh, But first, before we get started with all things recapping the game, I wanted to thank everyone for coming out to the event that we had on Sunday. Before the game, Um, I actually couldn't make it. Ended up not being able to go last minute. Uh, My allergies were acting up. Had a runny nose. Really bad headache. Didn't want to risk things and be around a bunch of people. So I bowed out but I know Meredith you were there to make Mm -hmm. it um after your work day um and Brittany talked about how good of a time it was um lots of giveaways lots of drinks flowing lots of friends and Browns fans alike and um almost $300 raised for Providence House which is amazing news
1: yeah it was a great event we got to meet a lot of really fun people uh a few friends of the show stopped by John Doss from Channel 5 stopped stopped by a few other um you know some friends of ours that were helping us out with the event so obviously you know jenna was representing with beleza in style which if you don't know beleza in style does all of our merchandise um and jenna is working on getting her shop back open she had to um close it down for a little bit because of her moving but now that she's moved she's getting settled and once she's settled her shop is going to open back up so if you want to buy that's what be said merchandise that's where you can go get it um once her shop is opened up we'll Give you guys all the details, but the event was so much fun. So many people came out. Um it was a gorgeous day. Lots yeah, of fun. It really was a nice day. Um yeah, yeah. Um and the game was fun for about two and a half quarters so yeah we're gonna have to get into that aren't we (laughs) yeah so yeah so if if we met you on sunday it was awesome to meet you thank you guys so much for coming out um we're hoping that we can do more events like that in the future because we love hanging out with you guys especially on brown sundays yes i
0: hope that i can make one eventually as well but um I'm hoping that I am able to go to the home opener on Sunday. So if you see me there, Ooh. give me a holler. Hopefully we're celebrating a victory at home. Uh, but yeah, not going to lie, Meredith. I, I do have a little bit. We were talking about this right before we recorded. I have a little bit of anxiety about getting back together with a large group of people. I mean, I love everyone. Yeah. But, you know, with the Delta variant spreading uh, fully vaxxed. But, you know, that doesn't mean anything. I feel safe, <laughs> but
1: kind yeah. of exposed again. Well, the one nice thing with First Energy is that it is outside. Um, So you do have that free flowing air. Um, I don't know what First Energy's mask policies are at the moment, Um, but they don't worry. They'll they'll announce all that. But, you know, I think uh, when it comes down to it, if you know, if you're nervous, you know, you got you have to do what's best for you and you have to do what you know, you need to do to, you know, keep yourself safe and and your loved ones safe. But I hope to see you there.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. Well, shall we recap the game on Sunday? So everyone knows at this point in time, I mean, it's been, what, a full day and a half of groveling here. Uh, Our Cleveland Browns fell to the Kansas City Chiefs 33 to 29 after having the lead for pretty much the entire game except for the last seven minutes. So very tough pill to swallow. uh, And it's been a frustrating day and a half on the interwebs. Per usual, Brown's Twitter is not safe. Do not no. recommend going on Brown's <laughs> Twitter for any type of uplifting lifting or positive experience. It is not that. Run far, far away.
1: Well, you want to know what's so funny. Um I did go on Reddit today. I did not go on Twitter at all today. <laughs> I love that you um, did that. <laughs> well okay I lie. I went on Twitter from my professional account just to keep up with the news and to tweet stuff about work. Um, but I was not on my personal account for like a single second at all today. Um, but I did go, go to Reddit and we can talk about rival Reddit later in the show if we want to, but the Browns Reddit was surprisingly positive. It was actually, it was what like Browns Reddit when I checked it around, I don't know, 930 this morning is what I feel like Browns Twitter wants to be where it was, (laughs) yes, where it was Here's a really cool highlight of what happened of something that happened yesterday. Like, you know, here's, uh, you know, like that. It's this great catch from Anthony Schwartz. Here's this trick play that Kevin Stefanski, really, you know, ran at the end of the first half. Yeah. Like they had stuff like that, and then people were commenting on it, and then there were a few posts of like disappointed, but you know, it's week one, we didn't expect it. Like Brown's Reddit was incredible today, so I feel like Brown's Twitter needs to like. Maybe take a few notes, like take a few notes from what you saw on on Brown's Reddit, because it was overwhelmingly informative and positive today. Now, granted, it may have gone to shit later because I checked it in the morning and haven't checked it since. But as of like 930 this morning, it was a great place to be.
0: No, I think you're I think you're right at that. I do feel like the Brown's Reddit board is generally pretty positive positive. Uh, the only place that it can get a little bit sketchy is during like the live game. Oh yeah, like those threads, live comments Which you comment obviously threads. wouldn't be a yeah. part of. Yeah. Yeah. But but again, that's like you're like watching and reacting in real time. I feel like that's
1: pretty normal to have I can't keep up with there. those. Like I can't keep up with yeah, those it's really live hard. reactions. It really is. Because I tried once, so this is no secret. I am a diehard obsessive fan of the show The Challenge on MTV, which is a reality competition yes. show. And I that's another like that's probably one of the reddit pages i visit very frequently and they do have live reaction threads for the episodes when they air and i tried to follow along once i just couldn't do it i was so lost i was like i have no idea who is responding to who like what are they referring to someone's obviously on a delay because now they're making a comment on a fight that happened 10 minutes ago in the episode i have no idea what's going on so i i just I can't keep up with those live discussion Reddit boards. They are a mess. Yes, it's aggressive.
0: But um, we'll get into it in a little bit. I think we all know the discussion in rival Reddit. Um, a lot of it was centered around our team, right. their team, which I have some thoughts that we will get into. But yes, Meredith, one of the things. So this is going to probably sound silly, but it was. I was disappointed that the Browns lost, but it didn't feel like a disappointing loss, if that makes sense. Does that so, make sense? Or does that, that, is that does just make, weird?
1: No, that absolutely makes sense because I was trying to articulate last night how I felt about this loss, and I did an okay job. Um, and then Ken Carmen actually, I think encapsulated it perfectly this morning. He said there were points in the show, or <laughs> in, the show, in the game that were upsetting. But overall, it was not an upsetting game. So you can pick out points and we're going to talk about all of them. But there were individual performances, individual plays and individual instances that in the moment made me very mad to see. But when you look at the forest for the trees, like when you look at this game from kickoff to the last second, it was an overwhelmingly positive game for the Browns. I mean, that offense in the first half of the game was just, like, my pants are still on fire. It was so good. Like, it's, like, I was so impressed. I was thrilled that we got not one, but two trick plays from Kevin Stefanski. Like, the Browns just absolutely dominated that first half. And I think if the last seven minutes of the game went differently, even if it was, even if it still resulted in a loss, I don't think that people would be so like the sky is falling today. I I think the fact that the majority of the mental errors, and the just the mental collapses, because they happened in such a short period of time, and happened towards the end, people are kind of like in this prisoner of the moment type thing. It's like, okay, yeah, like, We don't like that Jamie Gillen fumbled. We don't like that Nick Chubb fumbled. We don't like that John Johnson missed a tackle. Like, we don't like that Baker Mayfield threw an interception on the Browns last drive. We don't like any of that. No, but that doesn't erase what happened in the first half of the game. Well, On the scoreboard, it does, but...
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. I was like, it kind of does, but yeah, I get what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was trying to say in terms of, you know, like it doesn't take away from the way the Browns played in the first half, and I've got so many thoughts on all of it, but... Yeah,
0: we'll get into it, because
1: what I was frustrated about the most is
0: the narrative coming out of the game from fans, media. It's so annoying. And other fan bases is the whole the same old Browns like the Browns did something Browns Um, it's lazy The, the way that I looked at it last night was it took a fumble a miffed punt and an interception for the best quarterback right now and offense in the National Football League to beat the Cleveland Browns period end of story the Kansas City Chiefs the only thing that they were better at in the game on Sunday they were mistake free and mm-hmm. when you have a team that – I'm going to say this is going to probably sound weird, but they were equals to us, right? They It was a pretty even game. Sometimes that's all it takes to win. And that is what it all boiled down to. The Cleveland Browns needed to play mistake-free, and they couldn't.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly it because you cannot give Kansas City an inch because if you give them an inch, they're going to get 10 miles. And that's exactly yeah. what happened, you know? It's like yes. there was – There's a tiny little rip in the paper and Patrick Mahomes tore it in half. Um, So that's that's really that that really is what it came down to. Um, The one thing that really got on my nerves today in terms of the narratives. um, And I saw this while I was unfortunately on Twitter when I had to be. But every like generic professional NFL account like NFL on Fox, NFL on ESPN, like every single one of them was some storyline about the Browns losing their season opener. Like, Oh, the Browns are now this many years. Like, Oh, the Browns have to wait another year to try and break this streak. And I'm like, who effing cares? Like who cares? Because you know, when, when we were going into this game and we even said this last week, it was one of those things where the Browns have the ability to win, but we weren't going to, and a lot of people are going back on that, but we're not. We're not going to cry about a loss in week one if it's not a bad loss. Because really, it was so different than their loss to the Ravens last year. Like their loss to the Ravens last year, that one had everyone saying "same old Browns," and you know, and that was the first we had seen of Kevin Stefanski because there was no preseason yeah. last year. So that first game against the Ravens was the litmus test for Kevin Stefanski, and everyone thought that he failed. So yes, yeah, so going into this game, we all were preparing mentally and emotionally for a loss because the the Chiefs were coming off of a Super Bowl appearance, you know, so it was it, it's not like the Browns were going in and facing an easy team. They're no facing one, one of the, the best win. Yeah, they're facing one of the I mean, absolute be best real, teams in the league. of. Outside of
0: a portion of the Browns fan base, nobody expected, the, and maybe a couple of national media members. I did see a couple yeah. of people that actually picked the Browns to win, but for the most part, the Browns were underdogs going in. They weren't favored to win. They were expected to lose this game. So Right, and so then the every fact, Twitter account
1: that's like, oh, the Browns lost week one again, shut yes, up.
0: Like, you didn't like, you didn't need to get that ready. In fact, at halftime, you would have thought this was going to be one of the biggest shocks in week one in the NFL, right? Everyone yeah. was kind of like sitting there on pins and needles, and now... I know you can't count Patrick Mahomes out. Like, there's no lead that is too padded when you're playing against right. Patrick Mahomes and that offense. I mean, yeah, you but, can be ahead
1: by 50, and if you make one mistake, Kansas City's going to come exactly. back on you. and
0: what I think is probably the most frustrating thing coming out of that game is that the Browns, in my opinion, if they would have played that same exact game, inclusive of the fumble, inclusive of the punt myth, inclusive of the Baker interception, I actually still think they could have beat – probably 30 out of the 32 football teams in the National Football League even playing the way that they played yesterday they still could have beat another team with those mistakes it's just the Chiefs that you cannot afford to make those mistakes against
1: you can't exactly exactly because the the Chiefs are one of the best teams in the NFL which is proven by their Super Bowl appearance so it's you're not going to go in and have an easy time against the Chiefs and I don't think that the Browns were expecting to have an easy time but the fact that people are losing their minds over the Browns losing like you need to chill out <laughs> like you really need to just like take a Xanax or something I don't know have a cup of chamomile tea whatever you do to calm yourself down something you do know, like you meditate take a few They'll run a marathon I don't know like D- do touch something. grass
0: I mean it is and so can I just I just have to set the scene for you a minute because um, this is my first football season in a while with a baby in the house again oh. <laughs> and I you know was a, a little bit distracted at times because obviously how could you not be uh, my older mm-hmm. two are pretty good about like you know they're doing their own thing while the Browns game run. like they know like they get to have a little bit of extra iPad time or like play on the Nintendo (laughs) a little bit more. And then they'll sometimes watch a little bit of the game. But babies are babies. They need attention. Yes. So um, bedtime is right around 7 p.m. for the baby. And you know that was like right in the midst of when the game was coming down to the final five minutes. And she was hungry. I was feeding her. She fell asleep, Meredith, in my arms. Literally, she was like, 30 seconds in when Miles Garrett and sat- no, <laughs> I literally someone I tweeted about this and someone responded to me with the meme of that like boy sitting in the classroom and the veins popping out of his yes! <laughs> I swear to you that was me I let out this guttural sound that I sounded like I was dying I was like mmm <laughs> <laughs>
1: She oh didn't move,
0: so then I was like, all right, what's my next move here? Like, am I just going to, like, sit the rest of this game out with a baby in my arms, or do I try to, like, aggressively sneak her into her room, into her crib, and get back down? So, luckily, they went to commercial before the, the the Browns got the ball back, and I was able to get her in her crib soundly and transfer that so that I could actually make noise at the end.
1: Oh, my God. So, I don't know if she's at the age where you can do this, but... um my cousin's kid is probably the heaviest sleeper I've ever met. And it's because when he was a baby, she would make a point to do loud chores like vacuuming or (laughs) like running the dishwasher, uh, like those types of things after his bedtime. So she like trained him to be a heavy (laughs) sleeper. And so when he when he's out, like the world could end and it would not wake him up so i don't know if baby is at the age where you can do those kinds of things or if she you know is is able to handle the noisy chores but i don't know my cousin did that and it seemed to have worked
0: (laughs) you know she's she does not like yelling and screaming i think like Uh, yeah in in any other like she's fine if there's like noise background noise she sleeps white noise in her room so she does have like noise going but Mm -hmm. um Yes, the screaming and the like, abrupt, sudden movements, like not a fan. Although I will say, she was very captivated by like watching the game. Like obviously, like I, I didn't park her in front of the TV, but like it definitely grabs her attention. It must be the colors and the movement of the screen. But she kind of sat there and was like, "I think I like football." Like she was watching the (laughs) Buckeyes game this weekend. So I'm like, "Hey, girl, you are welcome in this family for as long as you want if you are going to be a football fan."
1: there you go. Football fan, hockey fan, sports fan, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, I, think,
0: I think anything with color and movement. I mean, I guess if I put on Coca-Melon, she'd probably like that too. Um, okay. So I wanted to ask you, Meredith, getting back to the game. Mm-hmm. Was there any one moment that stuck out to you as like stinging the most or that hurt the Browns the most? I mean, obviously there were a few things that happened that like the obvious, the miffed punt.
1: Yeah. uh the so, chubb fumble the baker interception so i would say the two I, i'm gonna put two moments out there that stung the most um the first one was uh, i think this to me is the gl- most glaring just because it's so out of character and so unexpected was nick chubb fumbling because yes i don't know that he's ever done that um you know and that is completely out of character for him. I don't know if it was the crowd noise that got to him or if it was like the heat and his hands were sweating because yeah. it was like oh, ninety Nick. degrees in Kansas City. So that one was really, really tough because that's so out of character for Nick Chubb. And I know he's taking that one hard after the game. And then I think the second moment that really stings is, is Baker's interception at the end of the game for a lot of reasons because everyone's now saying and they're not wrong, but I don't want like I don't want to like kick Baker while he's down for that interception because he had such a great game prior to that. Um, But, you know, it's like, oh, well, elite quarterbacks make the plays when the game is on the line. And, you know, they're not, they're not wrong. They're not wrong about that. And like I said, I don't want to kick Baker while he's down, but that's why that interception kind of hurt because we want Baker to be that big quarterback in the moment that can make those plays and to keep his focus and, Um, you know, and and get the Browns to win, to win a game, to come back like that. So that, that was a painful moment. And also he's got a contract. Yeah. And he has a contract on the line. So, and you know, he's, he's waiting. The Browns are waiting. Like there's obviously like everyone's expecting a deal to get done. Um, You know, Baker's not really talking about it that much, which is fine. He's not, you know, he doesn't have to, if he doesn't want to, but there's no way that's not on the back of his mind right now you know is is knowing that this is year four and you know he does get a little bit of leeway because you know year one was hugh jackson and year two was freddie kitchens so i think he does get a little bit of wiggle room but you know he's getting towards he's he's running out like the the hallways are getting narrower on on him yeah, I'm sure he'd like to have that one that one back.
0: And, and you touched on yeah. two really big ones there, um, both very obvious. For me, one of the things that stuck out to me quite a bit was two things that I think were huge momentum shifts. The Browns pretty much had their way with the offense for a majority of the football game. I mean, they almost looked like they could do whatever they wanted against that mm-hmm. Chiefs defense, which was pretty incredible uh, when you think about that, especially – you know, I was thinking about this today. When we played them in January, right, we pretty much trotted out the same offense. But this year, like this game on Sunday, we didn't have OBJ still. But you threw in Anthony Schwartz, which would not have had that. Like I would not mm-hmm. have had the amount of of snaps that he got. Um, he was a difference maker. I mean, his yes. speed. That was something that I think we were missing last year. we had DPJ on the field and Higgins on the field quite a bit last year. They barely mm-hmm. saw any playing time yesterday when it came to the offense
1: yeah Loved. I love for I think for our showdown um, fantasy the one that we do weekly on draftkings yep um, I I am so far down on the list and, and because it's because I took Hollywood. As one of my players, because I really thought that he was going to be out on the field. Yeah, I had and, DPJ uh, and- as my captain, Meredith. He
0: scored zero points and I still finished 11th. <laughs> oh, my God. How did you beat me? I, well, I was like because, in like
1: 150th or something
0: because I because he was so cheap that I was able to afford um, Kelsey Mahomes. Like I, I was able to afford like all of these like big players because he he cost pennies. So I mean, um, that's actually a really anyway, good strategy. Yeah, there you he go. Just, I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have given away my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that was going to happen that way. I thought DBJ was going to get, like, a lot more snaps with OBJ being out. But alas, I think the way that Ste- Kevin Stefanski and the offense approached this game plan, the use of the tight ends, the use of David Njoku, the way that they used Jarvis Landry, um, to me, that showed, like, how – much this offense has actually evolved over last year. So I am excited and we'll get more
1: into the offense. But... Oh, I thought you were, I thought you were asking about what, what moments stung. That's why I no, no, out No, no, i I'm, I'm
0: sorry. I went off into a tangent, but for okay. me, what stunk <laughs> is that we had a three and out drive when we were yeah. in the entire game, like doing whatever we wanted. And then when we needed it the most, we stalled. Yeah. And then I can't remember if that was right before or after the like one possession, 75 yard touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. but it was almost as if you could feel the momentum shift and swing in that moment. And it
1: was like, Oh no, this is not good. And I think what's really hard is the defense is definitely much improved. And there were so many things that happened on defense, like in, in the game this week that would not have happened last year. But I think, and this is kind of jumping ahead in the rundown a little bit in, in why the game, why this game stung the most Um, is because it got to the point where we had to rely on the defense. Like the Browns were up by two touchdowns and it was like, all right, this is their game to lose at this point. Defense just has to hold them off. And when you're playing Kansas City, you can't rely on a defense to hold them down, you know, unless you're Tampa Bay, apparently. Um, Yes. But yeah, it was, there was a lot, there was, there was a lot of pressure on the defense. There was, I think too much. On the defense, I think if the Browns were able to have scored one more time, then I think there's a very real possibility they would have come away with a win.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. And the the defense, I think, is catching a lot of flack today. I mean, Travis Kelsey, there's a reason he's one of the best players. He's annoyingly good. In the good. National Football I, League. I, I mean, hate how good Travis gonna... Kelsey
1: is. It's so annoying.
0: You're not going to stop him. Like he's going to get his touches. Same with Tyreek yeah. Hill. I mean, that is their game plan. Like they're and I had to keep reminding myself of this. Like I was getting mad when they were completing these first downs. I'm like, "Oh, that's so easy." And I'm like, "Okay, well, duh. It's easy because they have two of these dynamic playmakers on the field with one of the best quarterbacks in the football league. Like they're going to get first downs. Like they're not going to get stops. I actually think the defense, they were able to get off the field, which is something we could not do last year at yes. all. I mean, Jesus, Patrick Mahomes last year didn't even play most of the game, and we still couldn't stop their offense.
1: <laughs> I I will say this: I think Whew. one of the other things I think one of the other things that was really, like I guess one of the things that stunk, and I tweeted about it as well, was the discipline on defense. Miles um, Garrett yes. got called twice yep. for offsides, yep. and that was that is something that the defense did a lot last year. There was a lot of really dumb mental mistakes, things like offsides. Um, like neutral zone infra- uh, infringement, um, I think, oh, who was, I? I think maybe Denzel Ward, was it Denzel or or Mac? one of them got an illegal shift um, thrown on them. Like, those were the types of, like, stupid mental errors that the defense made last year, and there were one too many of them in the game this year, so I just... Again, I don't know if that was the crowd noise that was getting to them. Um I think one of the offsides that Miles got called for, I think that was Patrick Mahomes drawing him offsides. Like he he did a great job of it. So Yeah. It was it, it was tough. Like those those are the types of mistakes that you just cannot let happen. Like the you know, they're they're basic fundamental mistakes. So that yeah, was probably was first... yeah.
0: I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. This was You're the fine. first Game too that the defense played together
1: mm-hmm. against the Chiefs. Yes, <laughs> like, man. But Miles, when you
0: want to talk about tough, but, that that's tough.
1: Yes, but Miles did get a sack, which I was very happy about. And Jadavion yes. did break up a very big play early in the game. So, yep. oh my god, yep. that play that Jadavion broke up, I like my heart fluttered. I was that was amazing. Like, I uh, so I forget who said it. I don't know if I heard it in real life by someone in the bar or uh whether it was just on twitter but someone said the comment of that's why you paid Jadavion and i was like yes like the like titans yeah. fans you know we're kind of like oh get him off our hands but we're like okay we'll gladly take jadevion yeah, we'll Clowney." like you know a he was injured and b you didn't use him correctly give him to us we know what to do with him or at least i hope we know yeah. what to do with him but yeah like i was well, i was very very happy with the way Jadavion Clowney played yesterday
0: I think we should get into the positives because we're, we're yes. bleeding into them. Um, yes, you guys let's know, do it. We, we are a positive show. We like to, I guess, for nothing else, latch onto the positive when, when there yeah, are even things when, <laughs> that are disappointing.
1: <laughs> even when we're, Yeah, even when we're talking about the negatives, we're like focusing on the positives because yes. this team is so easy to be positive about. Um, You know, we did even when we were doing this show during the Freddy Kitchens era, we, we tried. We tried. The, they, it started to get thin after a while, but we really tried. <laughs> it was really tough. I kind of wonder what we would have sounded like if we managed to get this started during the 0-16 season. Um, that would have been a trip. Yeah, uh, I feel like would've we would have just been getting we may have just been getting drunk every episode. Who knows? <laughs> there you go. Yes.
0: Agreed. And I do want to tell, tell everyone this is not we are not running moral victory laps. OK, because that's oh, the other God, thing. No. Everyone's mad about the moral victories. But listen, these are just facts like this. this is. These are facts. What we're going to talk about the offense. Mm-hmm. We talked about this on our podcast last week. We wanted to see the offense picked up right where we left off. Guess what? It got even better. We just talked about a few things that we saw that we loved. The first three drives of the Browns possessions resulted in touchdowns. That's right. Touchdowns. We don't need no field goals. We don't need a field goal kicker. Sorry, Meredith. I know you love kickers.
1: I don't know if we need one this year. <laughs> I don't think it's that I love kickers. I just think that I like Cody Parkey. <laughs> oh, Cody. All right. <laughs> Cody Parkey. Because I think what, um, it, what it really is, is that I just, I love seeing redemption arcs. And Cody Parkey yes. was starting to get that last year, especially with the way he played in the playoffs for the Browns last year. And this year could have been his year, and then he got injured. So, yeah, let's just not, like, let's just drop all of our kickers. And we'll just <laughs> there you go, go for it on fourth every single time. We don't we'll need that roster go, spot. It's fine. Go go for a two-point conversion every single time. Someone remind Jamie Gillen that sometimes rugby rules apply. And yes. if you miss if, if you miss the, stab, the snap, you can still kick it. You don't have yes. to try and run for it, you big lug. Yeah, so...
0: But right now, the Browns' offense ranks number one in the NFL. I just want to just want to repeat that again: uh, the Browns' offense ranks number one in the NFL. And yes, we still have a loss. I know, but right now, and I know the Ravens' game is still going on, but the Browns are averaging the highest yards per play at eight point two. So that is something that we should be excited about, you guys. This offense has actually gotten better. And I think yes. we had a pretty good offense last year, but we we also were saying this without having OBJ on the field. So let's keep going, Bigger. Yeah, the and field. there
1: were yeah there were like Anthony Schwartz did so well yesterday. Like that was, it was great. Um, like uh, the, he made he made a few key catches. There were a few times where he dropped the ball, and you know if that was OBJ in that position, that's a ball that would have been caught. So yes, this offense can only go up from here, um, and. I so okay so I want to talk about OBJ for a really quick second. Yeah. Because having him on the inactive list yesterday was a little bit of a shock. Um and after the game Jarvis was talking about the mental game uh and Kevin Stefanski even said, you know, if when he's ready to play, he's going to play. If he's not ready, he's not going to play. And I was shocked, sad, surprised all of that at the time that they announced the inactives yesterday. But then this morning I was thinking about it because literally like my whole life is, is football and sports. It's what I do for fun. <laughs> it's what I do for work. Like it's all I ever do. So I was thinking about it this morning after I had a chance to sleep on it. And I realized that the Browns are playing the long game. And especially with mm-hmm. the way Jarvis was talking about OBJ's mental state. And cause you know, if you make a mental error that can result in a physical injury so I'm sitting there thinking what is going to like what is more important having OBJ week one or having a healthy OBJ in the playoffs and that's why I was thinking about it this morning and thinking you know what I'm not mad that OBJ didn't play yesterday because I think Kevin Stefanski is looking at this and saying we need a healthy OBJ beyond week 17 Yes. And the way they're going to do that is you know if he isn't he's confident He's not active in for his, week 1. Yeah. If yeah. he's not confident in himself, if the coaches don't like what they're seeing, you know, before the game, then you know what? They're they're they are playing the long game. They are playing chess. They are playing, you know, they're they're thinking about the cones. This is cones of Dunshire over here. So I woke up this morning and I was like I'm not upset yep. that OBJ didn't play because they are more it tells me that the Browns are more worried about having a healthy OBJ in the postseason, then trotting him out week one so everyone can see what he's capable of doing. So I'm that—that's my piece on on OBJ.
0: I'm actually really glad you brought that up, though, Meredith, because it's a really important tidbit that I think we need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. We need to have the foresight to understand that this is bigger than one game, and yes. we as fans do not have that. And I want to go back to something that happened during the final roster because a lot of people were upset that Kaderil Hodge didn't make the team, right? Mm -hmm. He is not on the Cleveland Browns football team. Did we miss him yesterday? No, No. we didn't miss him. I I wasn't sitting there saying, oh, man, if we would have had Kaderil Hodge on this football team, that would have made a huge difference. No, because I think this coaching staff, the front office, Every single move they make is well thought out. It is calculated. It is long term. The decision about OBJ is 32. Sure, disappointed. I really wanted to see him out there back on the field. It would have been amazing. I wanted him to go off against Kansas City. But I am with you. I would rather have him active later on in the season than, than Sunday. I'm sorry, but like that game, yeah, it would have been great to win. It's not going to make or break our season. It should not. It should not define how the rest of this season is going to go. And I think I think they made a smart move.
1: And, yeah, and exactly. honestly,
0: I think too. They probably had a feeling earlier on in the week that he wasn't going to be out there and they still game planned for that yeah. and executed it.
1: Mhm. Yeah, it's like what's more important, a week 1 win or an AFC Championship win? Yeah. I mean, so. listen,
0: I don't want to count our chickens before they hatch, but I do think that this team has the potential, based on what we saw yesterday, to go far. And and we have to remember, like, we can't – this is one loss. It's one loss, you guys. Losing against the Chiefs doesn't count for five losses.
1: It's still yes. one loss. Like, move on. Move on. I know. And, and I'm going to use a, a phrase that I used at the, at the beginning of the podcast because it's one of my favorite turns of phrase of all time. It's seeing the forest for the trees. Yes. And what that means is seeing big the big picture. Yeah, because sometimes people get so caught up – in the minutia and the details and that's why you know different personality types work together so well like i work some like i i work really well in in both environments but like uh i know for some radio shows that i have done like the big picture is really really important and i'm too like for me personally i get too bogged down in the details because i have to be and so i have someone next to me who's looking at the big picture and like that's how things become successful and that's kind of what the Browns are doing. They are looking at the big picture, looking at the season as a whole, and it's not necessarily counting your chickens before they're hatched, but it is, you know, game planning, assuming that the Browns are going to play more than 17 games this year, yes. you know, pre- pre-season excluded. So, uh, yeah, I just, at the time it was upsetting, but after I slept on it, I was like, this team knows what they're doing. Again, they're they're thinking... Ten steps ahead of of everything there, and it was the same thing with the game in and of itself. Like, don't be prisoner of the moment. Like, don't get caught up in a Baker interception and only think about this Baker interception. And know that when you compare Baker's stats to Mahomes' stats yesterday, they were almost right in line with each other. Like they, like Mahomes yeah. and, and Baker were very, very evenly matched or evenly statted whatever you want to, however you want like in terms of the stats they were very even keel with each other so yes. you know yeah was let's the talk about Baker'd. yeah Baker'd. was the interception a bad thing yeah it was but he had a phenomenal game leading up to that
0: so, he had yes. an amazing game I mean he finished 21 for 28 321 yards zero touchdowns one interception 97.5 rating frustrating thing about this is people are only going to pay attention to that interception, right? It's the blemish. The blemish on Mm -hmm. his game yesterday, that highlight was going to be played over and over and over again because he had the ball in his hands with five minutes left to go, couldn't finish the game. And unfortunately, with Baker, this has happened time and time again to, quote-unquote, good teams, against good Mm -hmm. teams, right? That is the narrative surrounding Baker Mayfield as to why he isn't a franchise quarterback The naysayers will say that he can't close out good teams. Now, we as Baker supporters know that's not true. Clearly, he closed out the Steelers two times in a row last year. But -hmm. people will find any reason to slam Baker Mayfield, even Browns fans alike. They do not want this guy to be our franchise quarterback. I wanted him so badly Meredith to march down the field and close out that game. But you I know, know what? Me too. Things happen. I don't I that didn't make me lose faith in him because he executed the game plan damn near perfectly. I mean, yeah, and also, he
1: oh, he played great. Yeah, and with the way he threw that last ball, it did look like he was trying to throw it out, but I think he just got pressured a little too yeah. much and I think yeah, that's and he, why and he made a mistake, going, you know. Yeah.
0: I think he was a little uh, bit and, indecisive in what he wanted to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and he was and also, he can't be was, half
1: pregnant. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and also it was because it was the end of the game with the game on the line. You know, a touchdown would have won the game, and it was the very last play of the game. I think it was just that the reason why people are so focused on that one singular play is because, if, like, if that interception happened, say, sometime in the first half, but it was, but the Browns were still up by two touchdowns going into halftime. Like, I don't think that people are going would be so obsessive. About a Baker interception, but because it was the last drive of the, yep, of the game, exactly. for the Browns, because it was a potential game-winning drive, and uh, you know the few other things surrounding it, it just—I think that's the the reason why people are so latched onto it. Which yes. is why I'm again saying, like, look at the big picture, look at the game as a whole, look at Baker's stats for the whole game, and compare them to Patrick Mahomes' stats, and realize that he was right in lockstep. With one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL for that game,
0: yeah. So I agree. You know, I mean, Baker was part of the reason we were in the game. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes, like exactly. Once again, once again, uh, really big reason as to why we were even in the game. Um, sticking with the offense, so the offensive line. I mean, come on, they remained the best in the league. That was pretty clear watching them play. I mean, yes. they are amazing, fantastic. I mean, obviously, will is going down. Pretty early on was tough to see. Uh, not dissimilar to what happened last year with with Jed yeah, going yeah. down.
1: And I want to tell so a story that happened yesterday during the game at our watch party. You know, when Jed Wills went down, obviously we were all up, upset. But, you know, very good friend of the show, Damon. He he stood up and he held up his arms. He's like, guys, guys we've got Chris Hubbard and just like the way he said it was just, <laughs> it was so funny. The offensive line so whisper, <laughs> exactly. Because it was just one of those things where he was just like, Hey, like, yes, we lost our left tackle, but the guy behind him. It's fine. It's just as good. Like we've got, not only do we have the best offensive line in the NFL, this line also has depth so just the way he kind of you know that scene from the new jurassic park with chris pratt and he's like holding off the raptors like that's kind of that's kind of what damon looked like when he was like guys guys we got chris we'll be fine it's fine (laughs) So, Um, but i mean it's true when you have
0: a coach like bill callahan you don't really have to worry about it it's like next man up and like you're gonna trust that they're gonna fit in with the scheme and know what they're doing and i mean my goodness they didn't really miss a step
1: Right. Right. And Wyatt telling mean, they didn't like give up one... one really bad
0: sack, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, all, it, was, that... it was a pretty clean game.
1: He, yeah. And he had one crappy penalty. And I was just like, oh, no, Wyatt, baby, what is you doing? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. But overall, like, I think those things are going to get fixed. I don't expect um, those ticky tacky penalties uh, to come the Browns way. Anymore, So uh, first game jitters. They got it all out. It's fine. We're good. Wonderful. Okay. We, you know, I'm still going to remind everyone at every moment as every chance I get that Wyatt Teller is a hokey. And also, right. also there's another offensive lineman. I don't know if he's entering the draft this year or next year. I'm not quite sure when he's eligible, but his name is Brock Hoffman. Remember that name because I have a feeling.
0: Okay.
1: I have a feeling he's going to be the next Wyatt Teller. There you go. Heard it here first. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen. There you go. So, whatever team he gets drafted to, if he suddenly shoots up the rankings in the pro football focus uh, arena, don't be surprised. Um, well, we'll close out the offense with David Njoku.
0: I mean, Meredith.
1: Oh, Njoku!
0: It is Njoku. He season, looked baby. like a demigod. I mean, he looked like what's his face from Moana. Like there was that one pass he caught, and the defender like leaped on him, and David Njoku just like galloped uh, like down the field, like it was nothing. Like he didn't have a think he was... man hanging off <laughs> of you, him. Do you think he was singing the "You're Welcome" song afterwards? <laughs> I think so. Okay, My husband was like,
1: song, "You're welcome." He was like
0: that man is hanging off of him and he's just running like there's nothing <laughs> attached know. to him and I was like I know he but looked, I want to see more so of good. that
1: right. he led the team yeah. with receptions uh 76 and I feel like we, yards yeah I feel like we need to give Brittany credit for that because I feel like she's the the one who's who keeps saying it's going to be in Joku's year right she was <laughs> I, no it was up. me
0: I was I was oh, saying was i I drafted him like every year oh. in fantasy <laughs> and then the one year I didn't will be his breakout year so I'm waiting for there that to go. happen but it's fine i will listen i will trade that off like all the time it's fine
1: yeah so when we were on on a show that i was on um uh like two weeks ago they kind of put me in the spot with with predictions for you know afc nfc super bowl all that stuff and i think i picked the browns to go to the super bowl but i picked them to lose and i got kind of this look and i was like listen i am notoriously terrible at predicting things. So if I I was like, I don't want to like have this guilt of saying, you know, Super Bowl, Super Browns and then have it not happen. So I was like, if I predict them to either not make it to the Super Bowl or make it and not win, I'm always wrong when when it comes to predictions. <laughs> So like let's just hope that I'm I'm like happily being proven wrong. Now like when it comes to actual game analysis, I like to think that I'm right more than I'm wrong. But when it comes to like who's going to win this weekend, what's the score going to be, although I did predict that for this game the Chiefs were going to it was going to be a close game and that I think I had the Chiefs winning by 3. So I wasn't that far off. Um but I did yeah. have the game a lot a lot low. Like it was much lower scoring in my prediction than it was in reality, but still. Just when it comes to predicting outcomes of things I'm not good that's why I don't play the lottery yeah I was gonna say
0: most of us are bad at that right or we'd all be millionaires
1: (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) um all right let's move into some more positives we'll go to the defense which I know this was controversial um but I I did just want to bring up again they made stops when they counted um and I wanted to read this because um I was on Twitter a little bit today and I was just trying to Keep in mind, keep some positive things out there. And Nathan Zagura responded to, I guess, maybe a troll out there um, that the defense didn't look any better. And per him, the Browns pressured Mahomes 44% of his dropbacks, which was the fifth highest in the NFL on Mahomes. Um, Against that, Mahomes was actually 8 for 13, 185 yards and a touchdown. I mean, this just proves, Meredith. Mahomes is that good because I would, so watching good. the the game with a naked eye, I never would have thought that Mahomes was ever under pressure. Like, that's just how good he is. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, and this, defense, and then, this defense is so much improved from last yeah, year. Yeah, I like, mean, we, we had the ability to actually get them off the
0: field, and they scored field goals twice, right? Yeah. Like, so- last year, I don't know if they punted the ball at all, and I don't know if they actually – did they score field goals last year? I can't remember, but I mean, I don't come know. on. We know that they let Chad Henney run 14 yards on them to get a first down. We couldn't stop Chad Henney last year.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was another really bad take I saw today. Someone oh, was no. blaming someone was blaming Baker Mayfield for that Chad Henney 14-yard run, and I'm like, Baker Mayfield wasn't even on the field when that happened. Because <laughs> like, someone was trying I, I to can't. argue. That, I, I really like, can't yeah, with the stupidity. Oh, gosh. I know some of the calls. Are- so let's go back to the positives. That's just like because I was because before we we started recording, I was telling Bree some of the worst takes that I heard today and I was like there was one that was so heinous and I like couldn't recall it and when you mentioned Chad Henney that's what sparked it because that's what the the person was blaming like saying why Baker doesn't deserve a contract. He's not a good quarterback. Blah blah blah. Like mm. the you know because like they're talking about last year, which is fine, but you have to remember the Browns have moved on to this year, and so we need to do the yes. same. And also, like yes. you cannot blame Baker Mayfield for Chad Henney pulling off a fourteen yard run because Baker Mayfield wasn't even on the field. He wasn't even yes, on, exactly. on the field when that happened. Since so all. everything's his fault, well. right? Right. But this defense looked. So much better. Jadavion Clowney, I mentioned it earlier. He broke up a play. Miles Garrett got a sack. Um, Outside of a few of those uh, discipline penalties, like the offsides and the illegal shifts, that looked like a really solid defense, and they're only going to get better. Yeah, and I mean,
0: (laughs) I, I just, I think you should write down all of these things. Like, write down all of these ridiculous takes, and I think we should revisit oh them at the end of the season. I think that would be really oh, fun. So yeah, I think you need to that. keep a list, a running list.
1: Oh, God! Google Docs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, we could yeah, have we a can... really good laugh, or we could have a really good cry later on. I mean, it just depends on how the season
1: goes. <laughs> but I think you should do it. I'm feeling positive. Yeah, me too. Just like, I, I, I just don't know why fans get so down on this team so much. Like I can I like I understand, you know, there's been a lot of misery like since the team came back in 99, there hasn't been a lot of success. There was, you know, one flash in the pan year in what was it, 2007? And ever since then, it's just been misery. But like you have to get out of that mindset. Like you can't be in that mindset of lamenting. Bad things that happen every single week, because the reality is, is that very few teams Play flawless games every single week and the Browns are not going to play flawlessly every single week but you know with the discipline that Kevin Stefanski has I don't expect to see these same types of mistakes coming up week after week so just fans get yourselves together just get it just get it together pull it together pull it together do some yoga more games left it's yeah we're gonna be okay
0: um okay so let's wrap yoga up classes way.
1: with some goats they do yoga classes you go. with goats go to a cat cafe go. i don't know i'm gonna come up i'm just um, that's what i'm just gonna do every single week is i'm gonna come up with the most ridiculous relaxing suggestions <laughs> for people every week because even if the browns play like a flawless game and baker throws for 30 touchdowns in a single game and obj and nick chubb get thousand yard games in a single game and the Browns win by 150. There's still going to be somebody. There's still going to be somebody who's coming in trying to say that Baker doesn't doesn't deserve a contract. Um, I think I heard um, a bad take of why are we paying OBJ if he's sitting uh, another one about <laughs> oh wasting money on on Clowney and then Clowney breaks up a play. So it's like all right, <laughs> I'm done. I just like the bad takes get to me. They really do because Sometimes I can't escape them and they get under my skin. They get under my skin a lot because this is just a really exciting team and people need to stop. Either fabricating problems or blowing things out of proportion, which is, I think, a a lot of what's happening today, like. Overall, the Browns played very, very well yesterday. And even when you were looking at things with the naked eye, you could tell that this was a much improved team from last year. And if that's the way they play against the, one of the best teams in football, it's going to be a really exciting year.
0: Yes. Agreed. All right. Two more things to touch on before we get into
1: a couple of concerns. Um, I know I've just been there I've been some. like I've been railroading with my monologues because something sets me off. And no, I it's OK.
0: It. <laughs> I, we kind of touched on this already, but um, I was pretty pleased with the rookie play coming out of mm-hmm. Sunday's game, um, especially when you look at the matchup that they had to face. So we talked about Anthony Schwartz and the impact that he made. You know, I think we all thought that he was going to be in for like maybe a play or two, like a couple of trick plays. But man, that guy is fast and he is going to be good. I mean, even even on the routes that he's running. There's a really good chance that he can just draw pass interference because he's that fast. And I, and I thought that that's maybe what would happen on that one play um where he couldn't quite hang on to the ball, but that the defender made a really good play on that. But I I do think he has the potential to turn into a pretty solid receiver for Baker Mayfield.
1: Yeah, I mean he's he's got to, you know, work on his hands a little bit, which was they knew was a concern. Yep. Of him coming out of Auburn. That was a concern in training camp of him dropping passes. But he did make two very crucial catches yesterday, which says he he has been working on his hands. So I I just he's got a bright future. And anytime he like took off on the field, (laughs) I got this picture of like the roadrunner in my head. I just like if I if I could run as fast as Anthony Schwartz, a hundred percent every single time I sprinted, I would go meet me every time (laughs) I love love that I love the Roadrunner he was my favorite Looney Tune (laughs) uh Woody I think Woody Woodpecker was I don't know if Woody Woodpecker was um I don't know if he was Looney Tunes, but he was one of my favorite cartoons but yeah uh, that's that's all I'm gonna picture because like if I could run as fast as Anthony Schwartz I'm going beep beep the whole time yep the entire time (laughs)
0: exactly Uh, and then on the opposite side of the ball Meredith um Malik McDowell um So this guy, when you talk about a comeback story, right, he Mm -hmm. had the highest rated defensive. um, He was the highest rated defensive player on the field on Sunday. Does that surprise you? Not with the way he played. No, I mean, I know he is a unit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. like If you had told me before the game that he would be the highest rated defensive player on the field, I'd probably think you were crazy. But after seeing the way he played. Oh my goodness! Like he is going to give some of those other guys on the defense a run for their money because we've got we've got some talent on the defense and Malik McDowell is just he is going to push them to be better.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm excited to see how he progresses throughout the rest of this season. Um, and and you know I'm excited to see him against some of maybe less mobile quarterbacks. Um, I mean yeah. I I want him to wreck Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs>
1: oh we all do so speaking of the defense just a just a very small tangent and then we can move on um so I we know how high I was on Troy Hill uh coming into this team both him and John Johnson but like especially Troy Hill I had to remind myself Troy Hill now wears number 23 because at one point I was seeing 23 and I was like I was was, was having I was having PTSD PTSD I know. know I know So I was like, I had to remind myself, I was like, no, Troy Hill's in 23 this year. We're good. Like, if you see 2-3 on the field, you're okay.
0: Man, we didn't even talk about the Ronnie Harrison situation. That was something else. Like, we didn't even have our starting safety on the field most of the game.
1: Yeah, that Ronnie Harrison situation is, that's a frustrating one. That was very frustrating. And
0: I don't know if you happened to listen to the broadcast during that moment, but Tony Romo was, like, adamant that Ronnie Harrison was – he was in the wrong. I mean, it was it was so no. one-sided. And I was like, wait a minute. I, yeah. it, it did not look like he meant to step on the player on the ground. Like, it looked like he got pushed into the player and was trying to get off. And then he got pushed back into him. I mean, it was, that exactly was so what ridiculous. Happened,
1: which is exactly so what happened. So someone pointed out today, um, one of my colleagues, and he's very, very right about the situation. Because um, I know some people were, were talking about thinking that that assistant coach um, with the Chiefs should be suspended or fined. I, and I know Kevin Stefanski was asked about it today and he had the best answer possible, which was I'm worried about my guys on my team. It's exactly yep. the answer that you need out of Kevin Stefanski. But one of my colleagues pointed out that if there's some kind of discipline that comes down for that coach on the on the Kansas City side, that also means a similar or worse um discipline is going to come down for Ronnie Harrison. So if you get a suspension from the Kansas City Chiefs coach then Ronnie that means that Ronnie Harrison is going to get get suspended so like I hope that he gets I hope that the coach gets fined because that's not okay but after my colleague kind of pointed out like this is this is the way the NFL operates I'm like yeah you're right so for people who are calling for his suspension you know it just I think the the Browns got lucky or are lucky if he doesn't get suspended because that means that that Ronnie Harrison will be back in, in the very next game. Like the fact that he got ejected and there was no discipline at the time for, for the assistant coach or wide receivers coach or linebackers coach or whoever it was, um, you know, that was kind of heinous. But I mean, we, we saw that last year with that hit on Hollywood Higgins, like stuff like that happens. So I, I think that was just one of those moments That was very angering and frustrating. But I think that is also a moment that we just need to forget moving forward because we're going to get Ronnie Harrison back on the field next week. He's going to make a difference. And we just have to accept that there's probably like outside of Ronnie Harrison getting ejected and people talking about it today. I I don't think anything is going to come of it. And so I think, honestly, fans need to drop it. And, you know, as far as I can tell, you know, the Browns are already – focusing on next week as they should
0: yes I agree yeah I agree um and I wanted to end the positive notes with Stefanski I mean can we just talk about his ability to scheme and call a game he was incredible yesterday with the opening drive Mm -hmm. and beyond the first half I mean he is he's scary because he's silent silent but deadly. he's like a silent Wait. assassin Yes, yeah, silent but that's like he's like a fart it's fine <laughs> he's, he's a, a fart, fart. <laughs> so we're I mean that's like the kind you gotta look out for right
1: <laughs> I'll tell you what though I was so happy to see not one but two trick plays that's like one of my favorite things that Kevin Stefanski does and I wasn't sure that we were actually gonna see one of those banana plays like I know that Jarvis didn't get a chance to you know, toss the ball 80 yards down the field like he wanted to. You like he you knew he was looking for it, yes. but he didn't have the have the opening. Um, I wasn't sure that Stefanski was going to call that banana play against Kansas City because of how good that team is, but the fact that he called two trick plays, one of them even though it wasn't, you know, I'm I'm sure that play was Jarvis throwing it down the field, but they still got a few yards on that play with Jarvis. Um, throwing the ball and then that flea flicker trick play at the end of the second half. Kareem Hunt was so close to the end zone. Like he was almost there and that was so much fun and oh, so exciting. I and know. even though even though it didn't end in a touchdown, it was still a well executed play. It just Kareem Hunt just got stuffed by like five defenders at the very end, but that was so much fun. I love these trick plays so much, Bree. I love them. They're so much fun to watch. And I especially love them because Kevin Stefanski is not going to call them if he doesn't think they're going to work.
0: Yeah that um, that play leading into halftime was amazing. I thought we were going to score too. Like I agree. Like I, there, were, I thought we were going to get tackled immediately, and I was like, oh my gosh, like we may actually score a touchdown. Like this I know is it's insane. like
1: we're, we're still alive. My my throat is still sore from like from that moment because I screamed so hard. <laughs> like I was. So excited. Yeah, that would have been honestly, I think if Kareem Hunt was able to find the find the end zone or at least get the ball to somebody who got there, um, I I think that I I think the Browns probably would have have won. Um, But I will say the and I know we're talking about the positives, but the Chiefs were they they very clearly adjusted at at halftime and they came out looking like a completely different team in in the third quarter. But but even so. You expected that from them, but yeah, that, but with the way Kevin Stefanski called plays yesterday, it was just because I've heard from multiple coaches, former coaches, like people who have been in his position before that it is so difficult to both manage the game and call plays and Kevin Stefanski is doing it and he's making it look easy.
0: Yeah, he really is. And I mean, even just his decision-making, like the two-point conversion when they when Kansas City got that penalty against them, like knowing when to use his timeout going into halftime to get that playoff. I mean, I just felt like he was – he's hard on himself, obviously, as he should be. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fine. Like that's the example that he's leading for his team, that they didn't play good enough. He didn't coach good enough. I, I'm fine with that. Like this mentality that he takes on, this is someone that you want long-term. I mean, hes yes. he says the right things. He does the right things. He's not all talk. I mean, he is – he is so even keeled. I don't know how he holds it together,
1: quite frankly. I mean, he's not all talk because he doesn't really talk much at all. Like, I mean, yeah, I he... mean, that's the thing. And when like, he... He's just yeah. but he has to talk. He talks
0: thinking. he does.
1: Things. He he, he, incredible. he it, talks... that, that's a gift. It really is. Um, and we used to we used to do um, this fun game when I worked in college sports where uh, one of our analysts would do we would call it the coach speak uh, translator. And so like anytime we had a press conference and it was a coach saying a lot of things without saying anything at all, we would have him translate what the coach actually meant. But um, I-, I feel like Kevin Stefanski is so good with his words that the coach speak translator would just be white noise. Like cause, because he, he's because <laughs> he says what he intends to say and what he wants to say, nothing more, nothing less. And he does an incredible job of getting the exact message across that he intends to get across the first time. Because anytime someone says something and then they kind of get killed for it and they're like, well, I have to clarify to clarify my earlier statement or going back on what I said before. you Like, that never happens with Kevin Stefanski. He gets the exact message across that he wants to get across the first time. He never has to go back and clarify anything and just... The man has a gift. He he has a gift for coaching, he has a gift for play calling, and he has a gift for his the way he presents himself to the public. Just I cannot say enough good things about that man. Like the Browns are so lucky to have Stefanski. Yes. I agree.
0: I agree. Okay, so I want to move on to biggest concerns coming out of the game and then we will get you guys out of here. Um so Meredith, I think there's two things that I don't think we need to hit the panic button yet, but I think this is just something to watch for as this season mm-hmm. continues because I think we feel pretty confident in the other areas, or at least we're on our way to feeling when it, confident when it comes to the defense. The one piece that's still a bit of a head-scratcher is the linebacker play. Um, glaringly the lowest-rated group on the team. Yeah. Um, people have consistently been hard on this core. Um, Mac Wilson obviously – Gets a lot of criticism um, in some cases, rightfully so. In some other cases, probably not as fair. Um, Jeremiah Wusukormoa, obviously the rookie out of Notre Dame. I, I believe we all expected him to have a pretty big impact. I do have hope that Jeremiah will see more of the football field. Um, probably not the best to measure what he could be against the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something I think to keep, to keep our uh, eyes on as we go through the next couple of games.
1: For sure. Yeah. Uh, I just there were there were a few things on defense that will hopefully be corrected moving forward. So a little bit of concerns on defense. And yeah, you you touched on it with linebackers, but I just had a really long sigh. I don't know if I picked that up, but, <laughs> um, but <laughs> no, you I did. It's fine. It deserves I did. A sigh. Yeah, because. I I still worry a little bit about the defense there were a few people who were very mad at Joe Woods this morning which Mm -hmm. I get but again I don't want to hit the panic button on week one because I feel like people kind of did that last year with the Ravens and look what happened uh, yes as the the season went on so am I concerned about the defense a little bit uh am I concerned about Joe Woods a little bit but I'm not hitting the panic button yet
0: I mean, this was a this was a big test. We we didn't pass it. I think in some cases the defense did, but I think there were too many things that went wrong that it was hard to say that the defense was a hundred percent at fault there. I think there were a lot of mistakes that were made. You clean up those mistakes, and I think you're not really talking about the defense all that much. Like you're not exactly. talking about the poor linebacker play, right? Um, and then finally, special teams, Meredith. Like,
1: do There's we my other have a good
0: special teams unit? I like. I, don't I thought know. we did. I thought we I did. Know. Like in 2019, that was the best thing on our team. And now I'm I like, I don't know what happened. I don't know. I just, I don't know either. I, I, don't I, know. I really, I, again, and like, listen, you don't want the game to come down to your special teams, losing it for you.
1: Right. That's the last people that should be losing it for you. Uh, one yes. of my friends tweeted out, <laughs> one of my friends called Jamie Gillen Scottish Butterfingers oh no (laughs) oh gosh and a lot of people were bringing up the fact that he has a rugby background and they're like okay like yeah he lost the ball for a second but he got it back why didn't he still just kick it and that's another thing i don't understand
0: right and if you're a rugby player go run
1: someone over like aren't you used to running someone over without pads on like come on like kick someone i don't know yeah i I don't i don't know what do not know what was going on with with jamie gillen yesterday on sunday uh The Scottish Uh, hammer turned into the Scottish. He was like the Scottish screwdriver. The the Scottish screwdriver. He just screwed up. (laughs) I mean, I have a feeling. I have a feeling that. So outside of Anthony Schwartz needing some time with the jug machine, you know, the the little like that throws the ball and you catch it. Um, like I think that now Nick Chubb and Jamie Gillen need to go, uh, spend some time with the jugs too. Like the three of them, like instead of, uh, getting to the, together and going to Montana, they should get together and hang out with the jug machine and just do the Michael Jordan thing. Don't, you know, how he would, wouldn't leave until he made 103 free throws. Like don't leave until you catch a hundred balls. Yes. Each. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm I know that, that Nick Chubb doesn't. Nick Chubb doesn't really need to catch it a- as much, but I know that he's, you know, not happy about the the one fumble from yesterday. So maybe he doesn't need time with the jugs, but maybe he does. Maybe he wants to just to show moral support to, <laughs> to Jimmy. He just Gill needs it. to carry
0: around a football every day in his life and not let it go. Like he has to do yeah, everything exactly. carrying a football in his hand. He has to eat. He has to go to the bathroom that way. He has to. like He's just carrying a football around.
1: <laughs> yes. And not drop like in. it. Yeah, he's, he's in the shower. Yeah, with the soap. <laughs> exactly <laughs> trying trying to, trying to, to get clean you're trying to get clean and hang on to the football if you're yes. sleeping cuddle with your football don't let it go yes yes I love it
0: um well okay so there is one thing I want to mention I'm sorry we will end the show after this mm-hmm. I didn't really put a segment in here for rival reddit but I did have to just touch on one thing about our rival reddit boards um and and I, I'm not like having the segment in here to like troll the rival fans. I just think it's interesting to see what is being talked about in other fan bases, because we obviously spent a good portion of our show talking about how our fans right now are going crazy after one game. Um, so, I mean, we're seeing this, this own thing in our own fan base. It's kind of fun to see what other fan bases like get in a fuss about. So, um I just want to preface it with that. But one of the things I did notice in both of our rivals boards, which the Steelers and the Ravens specifically, is they both had specific posts talking about our loss.
1: Multiple like, posts. Like the Steelers Reddit, posts. I think I saw I think in Steelers Reddit I saw at least two unique posts about the Browns loss and then I went into a few of the threads and like every fifth comment on some of the posts were about the Browns and I just find it so funny because I might tweet something alluding, and because this ha- had happened to me multiple times and I know what happens to, um, at least I see it among other women. I don't know if this happens as much to men, but I forget what I tweeted. And this was during the off season, um, something alluding to the Steelers loss and then some Steelers fan responds rent free and it's not somebody that I follow. It's not somebody that anybody that I follow follows. And this was a tweet of mine that didn't really get a lot of traction. So it wasn't getting retweets. It wasn't really getting likes, which is fine. Like I'm not tweeting for interaction. Like I don't care. I'm, I'm tweeting to talk to myself. Um, and if people respond, cool. But yeah, this was just it was a very low interaction tweet. And a Steelers fan responds rent free. And I was like, you had to have searched specific key terms like keywords in order to come across my tweet and then to respond just rent free. So I'm like who is living who in in whose head rent free if you are seeking out people talking about the Steelers and he had to have clicked on my profile too because just looking at my my display name, my handle and my picture You cannot tell that i'm a browns fan unless you go to my profile and see it where i have it in my profile so not only did this guy have to search these keywords he had to have clicked on my profile to read my profile to see that i'm associated with the browns so I, i yeah and then you go to and this was something that happened months ago and then you go into the Reddit boards, and you see unique posts about the Browns. And then you go into posts that are about the Steelers and people are talking about the Browns. And I was like, I just, like, it's projection. Like, they are constantly projecting, oh, we live in your heads rent-free. Like, no, you guys are always the ones in our mentions. You're always up in our mentions. Always. Like, your Reddit boards... (laughs) Are all about the Browns. Like you fucking won your game yesterday. Excuse my language, but you won your game yesterday. Why are you talking about the Browns?
0: Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna say this, and then I'll leave it at this. It all stems from insecurity. That that it's is the be. reason. Like I actually think that they are they're scared to face us, and and they should be. I, I truly feel like feel like this is. I mean, I watched the Steelers in the Buffalo game before, and and it was boring, and and there wasn't anything mm-hmm. that worried me. I like yeah. your smoke screen defense. Sure, your defense is fine. And that's fine. I actually have more faith in the Browns offense to go and beat you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I So yeah, I, I just I don't want to waste time talking about the Steelers because I, I just I'm not I'm not worried. I'm not worried about them. I'm not worried about I their fans. But ready, go ahead and keep talking about either. us cuz I, they such... I think they
1: saw I think they saw what they're going to have to face. They're such a weird fan base, but they I are. I will say this. Uh one of my favorite things to do um, if I'm ever on a, a road trip and I mean, at this point, uh, it's not as much because of travel, but like, or because of, you know, world events, you know, I'm not really driving to places as much, but I love tuning in to local sports radio when, when I'm driving. Um, I know when I'm driving back home to DC, I'll turn on, um, the sports station in Pittsburgh as I'm driving through Pittsburgh and like, I'll put on one Oh five, seven in Baltimore as I'm driving through Baltimore. Like I, I love listening to those other stations and, you know, with, with radio stations streaming on the internet now, like you have access to every market. And I listen to podcasts from other teams and other markets. Like I love hearing what they have to say. I love hearing their point of view, um, you know, and I, I love hearing what their storylines are and, Steelers included. Like I love listening to to Pittsburgh sports radio sometimes, but just <laughs> I'm not going on Browns Reddit boards and posting about the Steelers. Like so, yes. like, that's it. So yes. yeah, ri- rival Reddit was an interesting place this week, and that's actually how I wound up on Browns Reddit because I went to Steelers Reddit first and I saw all these posts on the Browns and all these comments on the Browns, and I was like, well, I wonder what what our people. Are saying And so, the, so I go to Brown's Reddit and it's, you know, people are posting highlights. People are, you know, talking about Kevin Stefanski. People are talking about the game. You know, I'm sure there were a few negative posts, but uh, overall Brown's Reddit was great. So, yeah. Well, I agree.
0: Meredith, that wraps us up for this evening. It was obviously not a victory Monday show for us, but I have a feeling we'll have some of those in our near future. Uh, we thank everyone for listening, for showing up to our pregame event, hoping we can put one of those on again next time. But thank you guys all for who everyone who showed up um, and made that special. Um, we thank you guys for listening. Let us know your feedback. Um, as always, you can find us on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll talk to you guys very, very soon.